You're listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Bringing you the latest news, views, and abuse, Earful of Dirt is the only podcast dedicated to Major League Rugby. Now, coming to you live from across the United States, here's your hosts. And we're live. Welcome to Earful of Dirt, uh, the Major League Rugby Podcast. Thank you for joining us. I'm Aaron Castro. I'm joined this week by Victor and Dan. Uh, they're in NYC. Uh, it didn't snow today, but it did flood there some way. Um, Josh in Denver, who is riding in a new Dodge Challenger. And then Corey Munson, still living it up in the great winter of Iowa, um, I think the tundra is still frozen. Hit him up on Twitter, hashtag EODpod, at Earful of Dirt, um, for questions. And, you know, comments, get after it, you know? Uh, how's your week been, guys? Awesome! Yeah, pretty good. Mets are second best record in the Major League Baseball, I'm actually currently trying to watch the score at the same time, and they're they're beating the Nationals, so I'm happy about that. If you can't tell, I really I love watching well, I'm baseball. Um, uh, as far as <laughs> hey, I'm Nets, from, I'm from the DC area. So. Oh, really? As far as the Mets are concerned, um, you can beat the Nationals all you want. Um, go Angels on the West Side. Um, You're not a D-backs fan. Uh, I'm, I'm getting there. You know, they're, they're, oh man, they're just, they're, every time they go to the LA this season, they're just beating the snot out of the Dodgers. And I just, I just can't be happier about that. Trust me as New Yorkers, we too, cause we hate the Dodgers. They, so. they ditched us. So Never did, forget. So did the Giants. Brooklyn. We still have that. We still so, have did, that. so did the Giants. Um, yes, exactly. We also uh, hate them too. Don't Not as much. Either. But we definitely hate the Dodgers. I definitely do as a Mets fan. (laughs) Um, Let's talk rugby. (laughs) Yeah, let's get back into rugby. Um, So, for those new to the podcast, each Monday night we discuss news and rumors from Major League Rugby. The United States Professional Rugby Union competition is a chance to discuss the issues here from the league. Uh, Team leadership, uh, you know, with our friends across the U.S. rugby season. We've got a review, guys. Thank you for the five-star review. Aggie Rugger 2010. Hey, Nick, inbox me. I will send you your hat. You uh, you won the MLR hat. And we were giving, the first one we're giving away. I mean, I'm, I'm giving away mine. I think, Dan, are you giving away yours? Yeah, I'm giving mine away. I, I'm not a hat person. My, my head's way too big. So, so. Uh, Nick, send in the deets and I'll get that on your way in the next, you know, month, probably a couple days, but, uh, so major league rugby is, Oh, pardon. Let's get to the title. The podcast for major league rugby news, views, and abuse. Five stars. Major league rugby is here at long last. Aaron, Victor, Josh, and Dan do a great job to share their unique perspective from around the country and provide quality insight into development around the league. If you are interested in professional rugby in the United States, this is the podcast for you. Inside information and behind the scenes interviews, 
punctuate their weekly podcast and give a comprehensive view of Major League Rugby. Side note, shout out to Corey for producing the show and creating RML Rugby, which has become my first stop on the internet every day. Um, thanks, Nick, for your uh, wonderful review. Uh, as you know, uh, we're trying to climb the charts, as they say. So uh, every time you leave a five-star review, we'll try to hook you up if uh, we got stuff to hook you up with. Um, and Nick has scored an MLR hat. Dan, what do we got this week? So coming up this week, not too much. Uh, really went down over the weekend. Um, all the teams are really kind of prepping up for first game, finally coming up next week. Um, so we're going to do a bit of previews. It's just some simple stuff, really looking at um, what we think the attendance is going to be like, the television ratings, on-field success for the overall league, um, who we think the best teams are going to be. Um, you know, really just kind of some simple analysis uh, of that. So that's all I got. What do we got? So what are you guys' attendance projections? Uh, because what it, what is a success for you? And you got to look at this is that – the smallest stadium in the league will be Shaw Stadium, with uh, which can hold a max of 2,500 seated, and I think they'll sell a bunch of standing room tickets for uh, when they, you know, sell out the the seats. But uh, so that's the smallest, and then the largest uh, goes up to 6K between Torero and Dyer Stadium. And then the other ones uh, are between like th- three thousand and five. I think Zion's and Infinity Park is five. Uh, Starfire is listed at forty five hundred and can be expanded to seven. Um, and then uh, was it Round Rock will be twenty eight hundred, I believe, uh, with their expanded seating. Well, I, we we know first things first is Seattle actually sold out. Um, first of all, all of their season tickets, which I think is around 1,800 that they put up. Um, they said that the total seating was actually around 3,000, so I'm not really sure what to believe. Um, they did put up an extra 500 seats for this uh, first game coming up, which I think they've gotten close to selling out or um, have sold those out. Um, but really, just looking at, at the numbers, I think that we can hit 2,500, 3,000. Um, I think the only reason why... I'm saying 2,500 just because some of the stadiums would bring that down a bit just because it can't physically hold more than 2,000, so it's kind of tough to keep that average. Uh, what do you guys think for the, uh, for the average for the year, for the, for the whole league? Anyone can, can so, say something. So, you know, we go into, we go into pro. Um, they were about 1,700, right? Uh, I mean, I want to see – I want to see certain markets sell out based on like the success they've had. Uh, so Houston, it would be great to have, you know, four to 6,000 every game. I think they'll probably average like 3,500 based on all the work they've done. Club rugby is ending. So uh, their matches should be well attended by the, you know, the by the rugby community. And then, um, you know, I, I really want to see the small stadiums affected. I want to see teams going into New Orleans and it just being raucous and and just, you know, a huge hometown, intimate, loud structure. Yeah, well, actually, you mentioned, um, you mentioned pro, and I actually looked at the very official numbers from Wikipedia. Um, 
so based, I think it was 1700 overall for the league, and this is really the best comparison we can use to really figure this out. However, um, Pro started a lot quicker, didn't have as much run-up, and had a lot more people on the ground in all the cities. Um, I'm sorry, MLR has a lot more people on the ground in each of the cities. <laughs> um, definitely not the case with Pro. Um, but there were two cities that were the same in both Pro and MLR, um, Denver and San Diego. Um, I guess technically Glendale. So uh, Denver Stampede were the number two overall with an average of 1941 and a high of 2346. Um, it is important to know, though, that they left Infinity Park about halfway through the season for Cyberfield, which can only hold about 1900. So I think they would have gotten a bit more than that. They didn't have that whole switch. Um, San Diego is number three with an average of 1916 and a high of 2500. So they're both very similar with around 1900. And like we said, there really wasn't that much run up before the league took off. So I think that both of those areas, especially because they're playing in the same stadiums can really get much more than that on average with the amount of promotion they've done there. Um, I, th- I think 2,500 should be the benchmark. Like that's the number you want to hit. I think realistically they can shoot for 75 to 80% of capacity. Sellouts are great, but I don't realistically, I don't think it's going to happen the first season. What's the size on, on infinity park? Like the exact size. Five. Do you know? So it's five, five to six. It says five on the internet. <laughs> but I've, I've seen multiple people say six. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's it's be- it's concrete bench seating, so I guess if you stuff it. You then really you can, always, you can always stuff people into the bars and the plazas, too. You can get, that's, I, I was actually wondering. I wonder if they're going to do any kind of standing room only kind of deals in some of these stadiums. Just basically have, if there's a courtyard area or a bar or... Um, the best example I could think of is, is Gaelic Park, which isn't MLR, but they have the stand and then there's the bar courtyard area, picnic area right next to it. I wonder if they do like a standing room only thing where you can only stand near the bar, which I guess is a terrible thing, only standing next to the bar. Um, you can watch the game from there, but it's a, it's a cheaper seat and it's over, basically like an overflow. I wonder if any think, of these can actually do so that. The way Terrero is set up, I think you could end up doing uh, standing room only. They got beer garden in the north end. And you, you got uh, you got beer garden on the. I think it's the north end. On the east end, and a um, beer garden right. also on the west end. I think purely standing room. They did a beer garden at the test on the west end, so uh, I I think you can definitely do standing room only. Like that is deluxe. Like you buy tickets to go to that beer garden for standing room only, but the way it's set up. Um, you like go down to you go down to your seat, so you could do like railing and have uh, standing room only tickets probably. That'd be nice. Uh, sorry, Dan. I was just saying that'd be nice. That's really <laughs> no, uh, so. Infinity Park. Um, if any if anybody saw the stream, um, the side where the players are, like up a couple rows, there's like a field plaza where like they have the sevens teams warm up whenever they have the sevens tournament there. And then there's also that there's the weird corner where it kind of like juts out like five yeah. years before the try line. Well, it's cause it's connected to the firehouse, <laughs> the Glendale firehouse and up above round, right above the entrance. There's like a plaza type of thing and they they're selling season tickets there. So, Oh, 
Okay. Well, maybe thanks for telling us this now, Josh. Maybe mm-hmm. that explains Yeah. Uh, I don't know so, if San Diego's going to do that, though, because I, I do remember them saying that um, I think – at least I don't know how many how the beer gardens work, but at least one of the beer gardens was specifically like a VIP yeah, entry yeah, thing. Yeah. So one of the, one of the beer gardens, I'm not sure which one is. I think it is definitely for VIP. So it might be the it might be the far one. I think I don't know. Uh, we we'll need f- more beer gardens. We'll, we'll find out. <laughs> beer beer <laughs> gardens are awesome. I think if what they needed the way it's set up on the east end, you can't. It's kind of sucks because you can't put the beer garden right where the railing is because you have to get to your seats. Right. But that would be awesome. That would be awesome. And I would just like, I'm going to bring college into this for a second, but I would just say, I hope teams don't do what Colorado state did. So they opened their new stadium this past season. Um, and they have an outdoor club and like a, the North end is like a beer garden. Now it's an addition in to your season ticket. It isn't a separate ticket. What? Yeah. Uh, well, let's so, just let's just not have uh, seat licenses like they do in the NFL. <laughs> <All right. yeah. laughs> so that, well, that's, that's just that's so you you have to you have to pay extra to get to the actual beer garden at yeah. Colorado State. It was two hundred extra dollars per ticket into it for the beer garden, and then it was four hundred dollars for the field level club. Damn it. In addition to your season ticket, and then yeah. that had a donation, if, if depending on what section you were in. <laughs> Dude, like, <laughs> what the heck? Oh man, that's that's crazy. Dude, that's that's freaking ridiculous. Hey, most of those might be going away now because they're no longer tax deductible. So. Oh yeah, that's 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 funny. So. Yeah. Okay, guys, to go to my points regarding this. So, of course, as the league. And the game get bigger in popularity. I expect that these things obviously will like grow those venues and would eventually, eventually expand. Of course. So as it stands now, obviously Glendale might bring the bigger or larger crowds because of how long they've been around in comparison to other teams, of course. But then you got Utah that broke records, Houston that broke records as well in terms of attendance. Uh, so, of course, they may push uh, Glendale from that, but we'll see. Now, the ones I could see sort of struggling a little bit, uh, Nola and Austin, because, of course, they're not particularly huge sports towns. Well, Nola more than Austin, obviously. Austin, as you know, is the biggest city that doesn't have a professional team. Well, that's not the case anymore. But Texas Longhorns. Uh, okay, I, I guess if you want to count that so, as professional. So, for, that, for the game, for the, Blacks, for the Austin Blacks-Huns game, they routinely get over a thousand people just I mean for an amateur game. Last year mm-hmm. they had almost two thousand people at it. Uh which I mean of course had conference and uh playoff implications, but they get a really good crowd for that rivalry. And but that's a rivalry built up through the clubs. But the the point mm-hmm. is tied to the clubs is a lot different. Then I I don't really yeah. you don't care about that no no it doesn't the point is you advertise <laughs> there are enough ru- if you when you do your advertising there's enough rugby people in, in that town to you know get to an average of two thousand well yeah there's there's definitely enough people I'm not saying that they wouldn't go out it's just that the the biggest draw for them is that it's 
with their club, supporting their club specifically, they don't have the same ties to a professional team. I'm not saying they wouldn't show up. So but, what was it? The, the the first game they had against San Diego, which my in-laws went to, um, and right. they're thinking about getting season tickets, actually. I was like, wow. yes. That's great. Conversion. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but but um, they had about 600 for something that was free. And people talk about like how what you value, right? And um, I mean, in Glendale, that game that was free, Josh, you had about 2,000 people, right? I'd say about 2,000, 2,500. Yeah, so depending on where you are, people value things that you have to pay for for some reason versus, you know, free. Like, if you're going to tell me I can go to a professional game that's exhibition for free, why not? But, you know, I don't know. People tend to value things they have to pay for more. Yeah, because they they pay for it, so then they're actually going to show up. Whereas if they don't really know it and someone's like, yeah, you should come, it's free. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. And just forget about it and mow the lawn or something like that. Yeah, right. the the, the right. weather the weather for the last one was apparently garbage. <laughs> mm. Shovel so, snow then. So I had a I, there's a picture of I think Grant posted on his Facebook. There's a picture of him calling the the games at uh for the Red River Rugby Championship on last Saturday, and he's like sitting there, uh you know in his in a big jacket and like a couple of blankets. It was it was bad. <laughs> Probably like 52 degrees. Wow, 52 degrees. No, I'm, I'm not saying it was. I'm just saying. <laughs> I was going to say. I can't handle the cold. So, um, yeah, I, I think. So where are you thinking this, like, this could drive expansion, Dan? I, I mean, I, I was I was thinking about this recently. Um, and I really don't want to get ahead of myself because the league hasn't started yet. So I'm not going to say, oh, great, they're going to own NFL stadiums next year because it's going to be that popular because it's not. Um, but I'm wondering, first of all, assuming that MLR is at least mildly successful, um, maybe even following the same vein as MLS, I wonder how long it takes for them to first um, upgrade to bigger stadiums. I know some of them do have plans to, to build something, but some of them – you know, may look to share like an MLS stadium or something like that. Maybe Rio Tinto for Utah. Yeah. Um, so I do wonder, first of all, how long it would take for them to upgrade to a larger stadium, 10, 15,000 or sharing an MLS stadium or something like that. Um, second thing, I wonder if there's the possibility for them to start playing one or maybe two games, make it a big thing at an MLS stadium in the first couple of years, like do something like Utah did where they can go for one game, uh, against a big rival or playoff implications or something like that and sort of make it like, what was it called? The big one in Newcastle? They tried to put on this really big event. Uh, you mean the one where um, Newcastle Falcons play in St. James Park where um, Newcastle United play? Yeah, that one. So yeah. something along the lines of that, not to go too off tangent, but basically something like that. Just do one I, big I game. I think this year, at least for Utah, is going to be interesting because they had 9,000, over 9,000 people go to their first preseason game. And then the second preseason game, because of the weather, obviously. So they sold 7,500 tickets and only just under 5,000 people showed up because it was just, it was, it was bad, apparently. So uh, I think next year, th this year for Utah will be interesting. And if they could get their scrum figured out, they might have to move the, the playoff the championship game 
from uh, San Diego Rio to, to Rio Tinto because in Utah, if they're in the finals, they can load that thing up. Oh, easily. And, and that's what I really love about Utah compared to all these other areas. It's not really known for like a big sports market, but this is like, this is something that's really like a, a Utah kind of culture thing with all the Pacific Islanders and, and you know, with Mormons, um, kind of everything together and BYU right there. You know, it's, I just, I'm, I'm really excited for them. They're, they're my team this year. That's what I got to say. But, um, well, I think, I think Glendale would have to move to Dick's Sporting Goods just because there is no room to expand Infinity Park. Well, yeah. Literally in the middle of the city. So I think you could, um, Okay, because the like fu- I, the firehouse is in the corner, the police is right next to it, and that's the general city building right yeah, there on so, the other but, side. So I, I look at the field, and one side doesn't have structure. Behind yeah, yeah, there's like so, there's like he- oh, half of it doesn't, like three quarters of it doesn't. It's a plaza, pretty much. Okay, because I'm, I'm what I'm saying is like that would be the one area you could expand. You could yank out that entire grandstand and put a, a double decker so uh sure. so moving on guys what do you think about on-field success how would you define that and by on-field success you mean just overall success from the league or on-field success from specific teams so this is on-field success from the league uh what that means for the national team um Things like that. So I've got three, at least three I can think of off the top of my head, um, which I conveniently wrote down. Um, providing, I'm sorry, first one, providing high-performance setup for players that really wasn't available before. Um, obviously, the best opportunity for a lot of people were um, club rugby. Some people did move for club rugby, but at the same time, a lot of people didn't because it doesn't make sense to you know, really – you know, upend your your life just to move for rugby and not even get paid for it. Um, so providing a, an outlet for a lot of players who haven't played professionally before. Second I have is uncovering hidden gems in the USA rugby landscape. Same thing as before. Players may not have just had the opportunity to really show what they have. Um, you know, even for example, in pro, Sebastian Kahn was the MVP, someone I've never heard of before. Um, I don't think many people really heard of before either. Um, and is now actually eligible, I think, to be an Eagle. He is. He is. In November. He is eligible, and he's made it clear that that's what he wants to do. Um, Third one, which I think is is overall really important, is um, creating name recognition for casual fans. So we all know the Eagles and most of their potential call-ups, because we follow this a lot, obviously. We have a podcast talking about this. But the casual fan isn't really aware they may know one or two players because they recognize them i was like oh there's that big guy i really like him but to be able to have you know these athletes as, as people always say like the posters on the wall and stuff like that um throw those houston super houston saber cats uh birthday parties or something like that um just for the casual fan to be able to turn this on and say oh cam dolan i love him he's my favorite player or yeah, you know, yeah same yeah. thing for all these others so one of the things that I think Matt needs to matter is that just by force of will, we eliminate club rugby from the pool to the Eagles. Um, There are guys currently that went back to amateur teams, uh, specifically in the PRP, uh, you know, that 
are playing in the PRP and not with the MLR. And I think this, uh, you know, partial daily training environment, you know, that they're practicing 20 hours a week and working out and all that stuff uh, is much more than your two practices a week for club rugby. And, you know, it, it eliminates amateur players from receiving a call up to the Eagles uh, just because of the form you're going to be in. That, that's one of the things I look at. And then, Dan, you talked about, uh, you know, I guess name recognition. So I started seeing in the premiership this year, which is abnormal from last year and the year, I think, obviously the years before, is that teams are starting to put names on the back of jerseys. Yeah, I saw that most rugby clubs don't really do that. And also because a lot of rugby clubs share the jerseys um, and don't even wear the proper numbers. Yeah, so I think for this, if, you know, if the X-Blades kit deal is that awesome, um, you heat press names on the back of jerseys uh, before every game once your uh, selections have been made. For the first um, I noticed that on the – the bench players, they don't put the names on the on their jerseys. Mm-hmm. Saracens does, but it's usually ra- rare that they put them on their bench players. Apparently, well, I, I haven't seen it on bench players. Uh, I've seen it Exeter, uh, Saracens, mm-hmm. uh, not Bath, Wooster. I've seen it. So about, I want to say about half, at least half the teams are starting to put names on the back of the jerseys for the, mm-hmm. that's for the starting 15. So true. I think, I think that's one of the things. Um, and then, you know, all these guys in this high performance environment, what kind of quality that will actually give towards the Eagles in June? I wasn't, I didn't really expect there to be much. Cause I, I don't want to think originally, uh, I didn't think it was going to be, that much of a change, like the real fruit would be our warm up campaign for the World Cup in 2019. But I'm starting to think that, you know, this is going to change a lot of what we do uh, going into June. I agree 100% with that because it it would force the the national selectors to grab players that are in a professional environment, especially if the one those players are are here uh, stateside. So there's no need really into going into, let's say, pick up a guy playing in the Pacific Rugby Premiership or the American Rugby Premiership for that matter. So those seven teams right there, uh, well, eight teams have count uh, Rugby United New York. Rather you grab a couple of those, put them on on the U.S. team and, and yeah, start building, start building from there. And just talking in general, guys, about uh, this point regarding, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, regarding on-field uh, success. Um, besides, obviously, increasing the level of play uh, for the national team, it is my personal hope that that casual, the casual sports fan, uh, and those new to the game of rugby union will come to learn some of the names of the players in in the national teams. Because one of the sentences I probably heard, I hate to hear the most is what people tell me or when I tell them that I happen to be a rugby fan and they say, oh, I didn't know we have a national rugby team and that annoys me to, to no end, but that's that's just me. Now, but yes, this should be uh, the last time that we hear from amateur players playing for the U.S., but we'll see. Uh, and by the way, speaking, speaking of which, uh, what are players doing 
during the off season uh, of MLR, uh, because always is a long wait until January 2019, or is there something happening in the autumn that that we know of? Well, I mean, what are what are players doing? Uh, there's mm-hmm. going to be, from what I've seen, is there's going to be a structured off season, so we'll probably get. Uh, three to four months uh, after July, after so once July, once the final hits, you'll probably get two to three months of time off, and you know within that you'll have structured workouts that you just. So I would say look at the NFL off season, and that would be what I think is the prototypical off season, and then they'll start. Uh, I think they'll start camp pretty early, so probably. Um, you know, two weeks into like two weeks into October. So I guess, so let's say three months, you'll have an offset, like three months of an off season, and then two weeks into October around the time Eagle call up should be, uh, is when guys will start coming into camp and then you'll break for Thanksgiving and, and come back in for three weeks before Christmas. And then, uh, started up in January. And I think, I don't know, they might start playing in February next year. Hmm. If there's ten or eleven teams, I I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past them, especially if the first year is is successful. I mean, they're obviously keeping it simple because they don't want to overdo it in the first year. That's just a smart strategy. But I can definitely see it expanding next year, even if there weren't more teams, just adding even two more weeks. Because right now they're only playing eight games each. It's a it's a very limited schedule. Um but on on that for the off season, do you think that the, they would release the players to go back to some of their clubs because they are they have made that um, clear that they would do that this year for um, you know guys who are kind of on the bubble for the roster, but that's different than you know the entire club. I think uh, I don't. I think they're going to do that in season because you need your guys playing playing rugby, right? but I don't think they're going to do that in the off season because you want your guys being healthy for you. Um, and one of the reasons why is I learned from, so last week I was on a uh, conference call, uh, I guess virtual press conference, call it what it is, uh, with Alexander Magleby, the high performance director. So under regulation four, contracted players – receive specific protections and the teams receive specific protections for contracting players. So if players are under contract, uh, if not every club, not every amateur club in the country is going to be able to uh, compensate a professional club. If one of those players gets injured while playing for them, which I found very interesting. Um, because that's like a big deal. Changes the landscape a bit then. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, that's good to, to keep in mind for moving forward, but um, I'm kind of indifferent either way. I think it'd be kind of cool to see them go back with the clubs, but at the same time, I, I feel like it would just push all the players who've been playing with the clubs and can actually commit to the clubs um, and will stay with the clubs when they actually go on to the playoffs and then those professional players would just kind of leave and then, you know, just throw them back into there. So I don't think it really makes a ton of sense to do that. So it's, it's, I don't know, it's, it's something interesting to look into. And by the way, guys, quickly going back to the topic of venues, it's also better to start with smaller venues because 
when you have the broadcast, it will look a lot better uh, on camera when it looks full. So even if you don't have that many people, it looks full uh, for the television. Uh, television, if you if you're in audience, it looks a lot better, in my opinion. Of course. So uh, moving, you know, to the next topic. So what are you guys thinking about television audiences? Uh, I I really don't know what to think about uh, for this. Was that funny, Victor? Yeah, because of, of my, my my last point, and then we jump into this. So that's what I said. Kind of funny. Just laughing at a joke in your head from hours ago, confusing us here. Very much. I mean, I think television numbers will be good. I don't have a number because I don't know jack about broadcasting. Um, But I think overall it'll be good because they hit really three of the major pillars that you need for for a league. Um, The the national cable, the national over-the-top, and local cable. Um, and this is actually not me just saying that because I, I like to make nice things up about MLR. This is something that um, I think it's Ben Fisher from Sports Business Journal. Um, yeah, he actually I, I specifically know. said that in response. He goes, it's very nice to see this from a new league. These are the three things you, you want to see, these three um, kinds of deals, and that's what you need to really grow a league. Um, otherwise, you'll get like you know some random website or – AOL.com or something like that. I like that one. So, Josh, you you have some ideas. Actually, you have an inkling of numbers, specifically. So I couldn't find recent data, but I did find some data from 2016 and from 2017. And 26, this is for NBC Sports, so take that NBC Sports is probably in more homes than CBS Sports is. But in 2016, with the Vegas stop in the in the World Series Seven Series, um, one of their one of their Sunday showings, they drew 745,000 people in that one hour. Oh wow! Um, they had three other slots um, that drew 160,000, 135,000, and 101,000 people. And then yeah. this past year, they had a um, there was a weekend of Viva Premiership games. Uh, one on Friday, one on Saturday, and one on Sunday. They drew 18,000 for the one on Friday, which I actually think is pretty good because it's Friday yeah, it was, at 12 o'clock. Yeah, it was at lunch. Yeah. Um, they had 47,000 watch on Sunday, and they had 75,000 show watch on Saturday. So um, realistically, I think the league could shoot for 50. That's – I mean, that's that's really good to uh, to know – Specifically, I I really had no clue um, where I was going with uh, you know my numbers. So could could the league get say a twenty k range? Is is twenty thousand a game killing it? I mean, well, maybe I'd not. Say because, that's minimum. Because so Utah's first broadcast had over a thousand live on Facebook and over a thousand live on YouTube. So, so, tw- so 20 is, you think is the baseline? I would say so. Sure. I've, like I said, I don't know anything about numbers and broadcasting. So I'm, I'm going to go with what you guys said. Cause you brought up facts and that beats my no nothingness. Now going on to, on to my point guys. So what I think is that major league rugby where I think they're going to succeed in terms of uh, in terms of viewers is through 
is through online views uh, with millennial fans uh, from the U.S. and around the world. So that's that's the thing. Um, people say television is dead, but it still has its place. But obviously, internet is going to be killing it anyway. So well, in terms it's of still, you know, it's still television, of course, it's just a different cord. Of course, definitely. But as more people cut that cord and they go straight to the internet, you get again very different, very different viewing audience from those that have remained to be attached to the cord, so so to speak. Now, in terms of television numbers, because I, I'll be honest for you guys, I also do not know what is bad, uh, bad numbers or good numbers. Uh, but let's say twenty thousand viewers sounds. Above the right, uh, above the right line for the U.S. currently, but I hope I'm wrong because that's, that number obviously sounds too small in comparison to the numbers that we just heard from Josh. So I, I really do not know in terms of in terms in terms of those numbers at least, but I do hope it's way better than twenty thousand. That that I'm, what I'm assuming right now. I wonder how many will be foreign as opposed to yeah. Well, based on I mean, based on what we know right now, um, I, the it would be interesting to see what those breakdown numbers are for for foreign viewership when that gets 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 announced. Well, we we know there is interest just because we constantly have questions of like, when are we getting international broadcasting? Uh, I mean, soon, soon, soon. Wait till the season starts, and we'll definitely know. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Yeah. So, um, all right. So twenty to thirty k would be nice. All right. Okay. So Josh says fifty k per game. Is that? I think I that, think that would be killing it. Yeah. Twenty uh, twenty to thirty is probably realistic, but I think fifty would be killing. It. That would be that would be dope, right there. Sure. Um, so moving forward, uh, preseason preview. So what did you what did you guys put in the poll? Because uh, this is what I got. I think um, Corey can keep me honest. I'm pretty sure I did. Glendale, Houston, New Orleans, Austin, San Diego, Utah, Seattle. Um, well, mine. Really, the first two are the only ones I feel confident about, to be perfectly honest. I mess with this so many times. Um, but really, who I have are, are Glendale, Houston, and then from here, I have uh, Utah, San Diego, Seattle, uh, NOLA, and Austin. And really, anyone from Utah to Austin, up or, up or down one or two spaces, I think they can really mix a lot because it's tough to tell at that point. Well, in terms of my numbers, guys, what I have in terms of the the, the ladder, let's say, by the end of standings, Glendale, Houston, Utah, San Diego, NOLA, Austin, and Seattle at the end. Yeah. Uh, so, what, so what is – what's the rationale, Dan, for having sort of Austin at the bottom? Because, I mean, my rationale is uh, basically – Four teams with scrums and a team with a bunch of forwards, but I haven't seen play yet. They um, didn't do what I thought they were going to do against a bottom of the table CRC team. 
Yeah. Um, you're talking about Austin? Uh, no, Seattle. Seattle. My... Oh, it's Seattle. And they and they don't have a coach right now. Yeah, that's that's the thing where we're really um, like I said, the, at this point, these can go up and down one or two. Um, I think talent wise, they, they, they do have a lot of Canadian internationals and signed about 60 or 70, uh, front row forwards. Props. Yeah. <laughs> props. Um, so I, I, from based on that alone, I think that, the, that they have the talent, but like I said, like I, this is the only game that we've really seen with them and it's against the CRC team and they won by like 40. So you can't really judge too much based off of that unless you actually specifically watch the game, which I clearly didn't. Yeah. So we'll get an idea of how good or bad that was uh, on Friday with Utah playing the Prairie Wolfpack. It's so. true. Or we can tell on Saturday when Seattle actually plays. Or oh, Sun- yeah. San Sunday. Diego. Sunday. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So oh, I, right. I have so, the same poll as Aaron. I just have Utah and Austin flipped. I have Utah fourth and and Austin sixth. So so again, like for me, it's all about uh, it's all about the scrum. And the Austin has as much scrum talent as you can have uh, based on film from what I've seen. Uh, lost so, their starting hooker though. Yeah, but Chris Shade is he's pretty good. Um, I, not really worried about them. They've got great locks. They've got great loose forwards, and they've got some. They've got some extra ump from Pedri. You know, <laughs> if he actually plays. I mean, I'm, he'll obviously play, but how much will he play? Because he's thirty-seven uh, now. Which... To be honest, I didn't. I mean. I'm sure uh, Austin will kill me this. Kill me, kill me for this. I didn't think they need him to be, go straight up. I, I don't think – I think they have enough back row talent that it doesn't matter. Uh, oh, especially – I was going to – especially with your, your eight men. I mean, he knows a lot, but, you know, that's going to wear down pretty quickly, and your eight men is going to be one of your, you know, most physically gifted forwards that can really run the field. So it would be tough if he's – a little bit older, unless he's in great shape. I don't know. He may be in the best shape of his life. Yeah. Um, Corey, you have an answer for uh, the way too early power pole. Yeah. So I've got my picks too. I just want to jump in real quick and share them. So, uh, yeah, I think pretty obviously Glendale is favored right now by most of us uh, people who understand these things and are good at what they do. Uh, anyway, and uh, so I would say definitely Glendale number one. I've got uh, Sabercats number two, Legion number three. That's uh, I think that's a little bit of a departure. I really just I'm excited for San Diego. I think uh, they they're bringing they're bringing a lot of excitement, and I think that's going to translate to success on the field. And they're going to just take some energy right from uh, their fan base and uh, kind of the hype machine they're building out there. Uh, then I've got number four. I've got the Warriors. From Utah, number five, I've got gold. Number six is Austin, and number seven is uh, Seattle. So I'm definitely putting Seattle in last place right now, just because I think they've had a lot of problems. And Austin's just had a kind of a rough preseason, so I'm putting them down at the bottom of the pack for the time being too. So, but like you said, Aaron, this is way too early. So who knows what's going to happen? You know, first and second week. 
And it's a preseason that, that most of us have not had a chance to see, actually physically see all the teams in their entirety. So that's just something I want to know. A little disclaimer I want to put out there. So any team that I happen to put near the bottom does not hate me if I ever step foot in the city. Hey, we just want we just want Seattle to use this as bulletin board materials. We don't with all of the issues going on, we just we want them to succeed, hey. but right now it doesn't look like it. Much much love to Seattle. They've been great to us. Uh, we we want you guys to do well. I we're just you know, I'm just telling you, calling it like I see it right now. So uh, so going over to matches. So let's yeah let's let's get into matches, guys. So, Our first match preview. First match preview. So oh. we've got game of the week. Austin <laughs> at Glendale. Um, it's not actually first. I was gonna say the same thing. No, 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 no. It is not the first match of the week, but it is the game of the week. Therefore, it is mm. first in our hearts. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, let's do. Austin at Glendale. Um, what do you guys got? Glendale by 20 for me. I, 15, to, 15 to 20 seems about right. I could see that. Pretty easy, to be honest. I got, Glen, I got Glendale by, by 15 points, too. I think uh, I think the scrum is going to be – like the parity is going to be there. But I, I also think with the way the systems are going in place for Austin that they're – Glendale's peaking right now. Like they're, 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 they're ready to go. They're ready to go. Austin is not at the same spot. So and, and Glendale's also adding sprinkles onto the cake. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. We'll get to that later. <laughs> really nice sprinkles. But also it's, it's, it's also because it's the first, um, the first real match where yes, they both had preseasons, but Glendale's had a lot more time together practicing. And that makes all the difference, especially in the first first week. This is week seven. Score might be different, but that's I think that's a, a really big factor with, for this match coming up. Yeah, I I kind of went the same way. I put Raptors up thirty two ten over uh, Austin. I just and honestly, I think it could be even worse than that. I think there's a possibility this could actually be a blowout. So I think thirty two ten is the blowout. Um, yeah, twenty-two this is, point difference. Yeah, this is what I think is going to happen. Uh, remember the the mat the second match against Glent against Nola. I think they're going to be able to keep it close for about thirty minutes, and uh, then they're going to pull or probably keep it close for the half, and then they're going to put the subs on. And yeah. Glendale's going to score, and that's it's going the wheels are going to fall off. It's gonna be like ten seven or twelve seven or something like that at the half, and then just kind of explode from there. But but they're t- Austin's talented, so if oh, if they're yeah. scrum when their scrum if their scrum gets parity and the connection uh, in the back line is there, it could end up not being a, bl- a blowout. But I think uh, I would I would go Glendale comfortably by twenty. All right. So, What's the second match? Moving mm-hmm. on to. Uh, uh, are we doing? Yeah, we're doing Nola at Sabercats. So let me go on first on that one, guys. I got Nola. Let me see. Da, da, da. Actually, I got Houston over Nola by twenty. Well, I would hope. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I have to double check. Nah, nah, it is Houston over Nola. I mean, I've I've got Houston by seven. 
Um, they played two against each other. I, I see that Josh is making faces at me when I said that. Um, I Houston um, beat them by a lot the first time they played them, but in the second game they tied, right? Was yes. That, yeah. So they tied. So I'm going to say by seven. You know, maybe somewhere seven to ten, but I say seven. I'm going. Uh, I'm going a low-scoring uh, match for this one. And I'm going to say Houston's going to win, but I'm putting it at 17-25 or 25-17 Houston. Is that low scoring? I think it is. Yeah. Uh, Uh, Is it low scoring or? It's just not high scoring. It's not high scoring. It's about medium. Yeah, it's it's average. Middle scoring. (laughs) Low scoring is just It's just scoring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a buck. I'm a buck to trying to go with Nola by two. Nola, Nola by two. Are you kidding me? Uh, you know. If you got Aaron with Houston. You know, you know Nola has continued to raise their level. Mm-hmm. Um, but we still know what you're going to say next. <laughs> I, I'm going Saber Cats by. I'm going Saber Cats by ten. Hmm. Well, on the highest, I went by 20. Let's see. Victor's making the uh, the bold calls here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then, uh, we've also got uh, Legion at Seattle uh, this weekend, right? Yep. That's um, right. So let's see with that one. This one's a lot tighter. This one's a, a tougher one to pick. Yeah, I agree. I actually got Legion uh, over 20 with, with uh, over Seattle. So by 20. By 20? Actually, by 10, by 10, not by 20. I had to check it. By 20, it doesn't sound like it was a hard choice for you, Victor. Sorry, by 10, by 10. I meant by 10, sorry. Uh, I think I think San Diego by 12, even though I did just say it's a, it's a much closer and, and tougher one to pick. I think San Diego by 12. Um, I think with everything going on recently and not having a coach for the first game affects that and having just player coaches, as far as I'm concerned. Um, also, I think that some of the Eagles, I think all the Eagles will kick the crap out of all the Canadians that are playing for Seattle just because I'm that American. So I'm going by 12. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I'm 15 San Diego. Uh, cause if you, so granted it wasn't the flushed out first 15 for Sabercats, but that the Sabercats team is built out, has depth all over the place, and they were leading them 17 to 7, 54 minutes into the game. And it looked like it was going to go that way uh, for a little while. And then Fitzpatrick, Coach Fitzpatrick yells at somebody, and then, you know, the boys just went after it and, you know, put a knife in San Diego's heart. So, yeah. Um, I'm going San Diego by 15 over the Seawolves specifically because all their backroom stuff is good to go. Um, and they have a full staff and they'll adjust. Whereas I don't know anything about Seattle other than they added somebody last week who is an Eagle. So, um, spoilers, spoilers. So I, I that's about, Seattle's talented. It's going to be a tough game. 
but I think the connection and the systems are in place for San Diego to do what they need to do to win. But I do have concerns about San Diego's scrum unless they brought in more reinforcements for the front row. I actually just looked this up. Fun fact, Seattle's weather for Saturday, um, surprising, is going to be 52 degrees and rain. Yeah, but they're playing on turf. So, Hey, we got 46 in snow. So Let's see how that affects it. I'm going to go ahead and say uh, San Diego 12 over uh, – Seattle, I, I've got it pegged at fifteen to three. I think uh, I don't think Seattle's going to get anything <laughs> going. Wow, yeah. I want to see, I want to see that kind of defense. I want to see that happen. So yeah, um, I got I got the Legion by a try. Okay, five. Legion by, Legion so, by five. Is that five or seven? Yeah, five. exactly. Converted okay, so tries by seven. No, Unconverted try. Exactly. Uh, With the rain, I can see that happening. So. Yeah. All right, final game of the week is a preseason match. Utah versus the Prairie Alberta Wolfpack. What do you guys got? I don't oh, know. Okay. 15. Utah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I, I'll do you one better. I'll, I'll actually go 20 uh, for that one. So uh, Utah, Utah by 20? By 20. Yeah, so by 20, Utah by 20 points. By 20 what? points, yeah. You're just going to come out and, and Dude, destroy them. What? I, I am kidding you. No, 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 no. Let's, let's put it closer. Ten, and then and then after that, when they beat them by twenty and, and more, you should leave. Good. You should leave right now. But you're, um, saying, you're saying that Utah Warriors are going to beat a CRC team, the team that Seattle just beat, like forty-seven to seven by forty. Okay, okay, <laughs> by ten. <laughs> Okay. Nah, nah, nah. No, 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 okay. I, I was Harry Mute Victor's microphone. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking. So, hey, so I had Utah winning, but I said by less than Seattle did. Uh, you know, I want to see Utah uh, do what they did in that second half against uh, against the Arrows and just dominate. You mean just, uh, just give it to the backs and let them bowling ball over the top of the backs? Yeah, except that this the scrum of the of the wolf pack is not that good. I mean, uh, they did send two players. Overall, they sent two players to the MLR. Uh, Mosek Sampson went to Seattle. And, uh, you know, Biden's is down with NOLA. So they lost their Canadian international loose head. And they lost a – granted, they have Blevins and somebody else in the centers that are Canadian internationals. Um, but I don't, but, but you mean Ben Lesage? Lesage and Blevins, yeah. So – but they're, bo- they're the bottom of the table CRC team the last two years. So I yeah, – I'm not. Okay, so I'm 30. Yeah. I'm going I'm – go- I, I think it's going to – I think the, the, the score could be relatively similar. And if they can figure out, uh, in fact, I wouldn't be surprised if their scrum just rolls rolls over the wolf pack. <laughs> so, in other words, you're just gonna be putting a rugby clinic on display. Just give it to just give it to Wasike, Packy, and Feitu, and just let them run. Just yeah, yeah, just they'll, they'll, put a, they'll, they'll put a clinic. It will be it will be wide open. They won't want to. They won't want to tackle them. Nothing. Um, so for mine, I'm giving uh, 
I'm only giving Utah 15 points over them. I'm going to go a little conservative on this, and I'm going to assume that uh, Utah's score is going to be a multiple of five because I don't think they can kick. So, hey, uh, hey, hey! Hater. They signed Kurt Morath last week. Kurt Morath. He might. Yeah. He might start at ten. Hey, they officially announced that today. Yeah, that that was announced yeah. today. Um, Technically, a player signing that we already knew about. Well, and on that note, unless anybody else had anything else on this, I think uh, we've got Dan. You've got some signings you want to talk about, don't you? Yeah, I guess. Um, we, there are quite a few signings that kind of, as we hinted to before, um, there were some sprinkles basically just putting put on these cakes. Um, so I'll just run through them really quickly, and then we can all just jump in um, with some quick thoughts on them. So we have. Cam Troxler and Brennan Falcon both signed by Nola. Brennan, you'll recognize his last name for, you know, because of Cam Falcon, his older brother, and Dan Falcon, the his father, who is the owner, one of the part owners of Nola. Um, Dylan Fawcett and Sam Fig both went to Glendale. Um, interesting because Fawcett was practicing with Rooney um, here in New York. Um, and then finally, Will Holder, Billy Tolotau, and William Rasileka to Seattle. So, what do you guys think about this? Um, overall, uh, the, the big one is good to see Fawcett playing the MLR this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Willie's been a fixture um, with the Saracens for a while. I think he's actually helping out with coaching the team right now. Um, Will Holder, uh, it's going to be interesting to see if he's able to you know, play every game, uh, you know, being in the army and being a captain now, uh, changes your time commitments a lot. Uh, but I, you know, I think, uh, with the short season, it should get, it could get him back into Eagles can at least invite contention, probably even, Mm -hmm. um, if not into the camp, at least consideration for, uh, the APC in the fall. And maybe that'll get him back into consideration for the national team in November. I'm really interested about the the Dylan Fawcett signing because he was playing here. And from what we've heard, there really isn't any free agency for the first couple of years. So yeah, I, I reached out to, I reached out to Glendale and haven't heard back about that yet. So I don't know. Thanks for the update. Mm-hmm. Now, talking about, uh, about a couple of the players, guys, um, Sam Fig, by the way, he comes from the Australia 7s team. He has a long history, the guy. I was, I was just reading up on him th- this morning. So he's originally from South Africa, from Johannesburg, moved to Auckland, New Zealand when he was young, and then from there moved to North Sydney, and that's really where he started to pick up his rugby, rugby skills. Uh, he then played for... Uh, one of the colleges I'm blanking now on the on the first on the name of it, uh, which is a sort of suburban uh, competition, which apparently Australia has one of those. I guess suburbs are really big in Australia, and then from there he went and played for Southern Northern Suburbs, and then from there to the New South Wales Country Eagles in the National Rugby Championship, which is lower division uh, Super Rugby, if you want to call it that. And then from there Sevens went to Japan, then Sevens again. And now goes to Glendale. So the suit has been jumping up and down. But he's definitely bringing a lot of experience, obviously, to the Glendale uh, back section. Well, so as far as the suburbs, like in Sydney, uh, if you look at the shoot shield, 
those are, I would say, like apex clubs, depending on where you're at. So you have like eastern suburbs, northern suburbs. Those are, you know, the clubs sort of on the top of like that area in the shoot shield competition. Mm-hmm. So you're like trying to play for eastern suburbs or you're trying to like get promoted and earn your way onto the uh, the northern suburbs team. Mm-hmm. And then there's other teams that are not named after not located mm-hmm. in the suburbs that are trying to, uh, you know, get on that are in the shoot shield. And thank you for mentioning that, Aaron, because it just reminded me he also played for Randwick. Yeah, so Randwick, uh, was it Manly, are also in the shoot shield. Mm-hmm. So that's true. But I believe that's where Eddie Jones played with uh, Michael Checker, uh, the coach of Australia, and the coach of England. So both of them came from Randwick, if I'm not mistaken. So and let, let, let me give a shout out to America's Rugby News. They put out a fantastic article about roster updates. And they have they have the full rosters um, in their in a section on their website. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the most comprehensive place to to see them all. They were telling them for a while, um, but definitely jump on that. I was actually just looking at that right now just to refresh myself because they listed all the signings of the past week or so and just kind of tying a nice little ribbon on the top of this this uh, this gift that we have of MLR. <laughs> Question: When where is uh, uh, where Cam uh, Troxler coming from? I assume um, LSU. But let me ask. Um, LSU, I thought. Maybe oh, okay. I guess he's LSU. Doesn't actually okay. say, but he he did I play for USA South. Ah, okay, so mm. okay, I was right. And then Valley uh, Tulatau, who's coming from Central Washington. Yeah, he's originally from from Hawaii, from Maui. And William Rasileka, he, of course, Fijian by his last name, um, he comes from the Sevens team. And he's been. Well, this, is, this is a fun one. Uh, Cam Troxler was also a USA Islander. I, I totally forgot about that. Huh. Really? Interesting. So. Which I, wonder how he, I wonder how he qualifies. Probably the Caribbean Islands. Hmm, interesting. Maybe. So. Um, Maybe the Virgin Islands. Uh, let's hit up that tweet of the week. What do we got? This was pretty cool. Well, actually. we actually got we actually got tweets of the week. So two tweets are the Eagles head coach Gary Gold was at not one but two college games this weekend. That's that's a hell of a commitment because he actually had to physically fly from from one to the other. Um, so the first tweet that he had: uh, "Great weekend of hashtag college rugby." Watched. Army Rugby Union versus CSU Rugby last night. Now off to Salt Lake to watch BYU Rugby versus Arkansas, actually Arkansas State Rugby. He said Arkansas by mistake. Um, then exciting week as the inaugural US MLR kicks off. So that was the first one. Um, second one was while he was actually at the BYU game. It's like not the worst setting to watch rugby. Hashtag college D1A rugby. BYU Rugby versus Arkansas State Rugby. Um I mean, this is this is awesome. Um, we all kind of talked about this about how he was going to move out here and he'd be local to watch MLR games, but he's actually attending the college games too, and, and not just the you know number one versus number two, and and that's it. Just looking at the top, he's looking at um, you know as many teams as, as physically possible who are playing in the D1A playoffs, which is awesome to see that he's actually in our country. That's a huge step. Yeah. I, this is awesome. 
Like, and it's bad that we I have such low expectations about what our head coach is going to do. But I mean, I liked Mitch. I thought Mitch was as far as coaching was concerned. You know, part of where we're at now is because of the systems he put in place. But he spent like no time in this country. So I'm very happy to see the man going out and watching the best of collegiate rugby and scouting new players. Yeah. It's, it's really important when, when um, if you're, if you're trying to actually build a program in a country, especially a tier two country, that you don't just bring in some guy who's just going to come in coach and leave, because then at the end of the day, you're not really going to improve overall. Um, I mean, that in that case, he's really just looking over the Eagles, the, 30 or 40 guys who are playing for them. And, and that's really it. But if you want someone who can come in and when the Eagles aren't playing, um, first of all, can, can look to make sure that he gets the best possible players and not really, I, as far as I'm concerned, he had to really take a lot of recommendations from people who were based in the U S if he didn't actually physically watch them play for the Eagles. I'm talking about Mitch. Um, so with gold here, now in the U S he can see these players playing for college, playing for MLR, playing for local clubs, you know, really whatever. And he can make his own decisions and, and maybe he sees a guy and says, Hey, that guy, I need to give some extra looks to him. So yeah, I, I thought that was awesome. Um, it, it's, it's great about building, you know, building a program and this guy who I wish I had gone to the NDS now because everyone who talks about his presentation, you just wanted to run through a wall for that guy. Or even better, climb over the wall for that guy, uh, and you know it's it's really great to see that the national team coach is going out and watching the best of what American rugby has and promoting it, oh, and yeah. actually giving some promotion to it too. So, moving forward, we've got some trending topics, Josh. Yeah, we got a. Um special project we're working on with some of the other rugby media people in America. Um, this Friday we'll release a, can we call it league sanctioned? I, I wouldn't call it league sanctioned. I would say as a group, we decided to consolidate the media uh, and create a MLR writers poll. Yeah. Um, I think the, I don't know. I, th- I think the league has been encouraged encouraging of our of wouldn't say sanction they're not sanctioning and saying hey do all this stuff for us but i think they've been very encouraging of what the media has done to promote the the league so far and i think you know this will fit right in there maybe we'll have to pay dues or something to like you know <laughs> build out a, an actual association but yeah mlr writers poll that'll be awesome so uh Moving forward to views, news, and abuse, guys. This was uh, this was an interesting uh, interesting week. Ontario Arrows joined forces with uh, Hurricanes uh, of Super Rugby. That was kind of a cool rollout. Uh, the Hurricanes put out a video. I forget who the all the three All Blacks were, but one of them was um, TJ Perinara was in there, there um, and they were like. Uh, good luck to the Ontario Arrows as you place as you face New York. That was cool. Um, they specifically said "Go the Arrows," oh, yeah. which I go thought was really strange. Uh, so, the sounds of soul. 
<laughs> so uninvolved. Go the arrows. Go the arrows. I'm doing this for the money. That's how it sounds. Uh, ESPN Plus is now live, and it's also live on Roku, so I will be able to watch it on my massive television. That'll be cool. That's what Good everyone for, uh, was really concerned about. Good for you. Yeah. I'm glad that everyone was so concerned for me. Uh, <laughs> but uh, um, if you sign up by Wednesday, you get a 30-day free trial. It's $4.99 a month after that. And it's, you know, it's not just rugby. You're not just signing up for rugby like you are with NBC. Uh, you are signing up for tons of content. Uh, so this is going to be awesome. Mm. Austin officially made their move to Round Rock. Uh, they are bringing in... 2200 seats to bring up their capacity to 2800 and in fact they have two sets of try goals posts uh that are going to be going in so they have a backup set in case they have lightning occurring Ooh. um Arrow, the Arrows versus Rugby United New York was canceled due to some insane weather. York University uh, shut down operations. The teams were still going to try and give it a go, uh, but York you know, it was made so that fans couldn't attend. Um, I think the teams were going to be the only ones at York University, and then York University shut that down. Uh, mm-hmm. So... The Seawolves defeated the Prairie Wolfpack 47-7 in a closed scrimmage in Seattle. And uh, MLR games will be streamed internationally, both live and on demand, either by the individual teams or the league itself. Uh, The platform is currently being worked out, but we should know before Friday uh, how international viewers will be able to watch. Now, going on to the Eros Rooney point, um, the, the funny thing is that, and, and Daniel can vouch for me on this, Saturday in New York City was probably our best day so far this year in terms of weather. Absolutely. It? It, was, it felt like 80, wasn't it, Dan? Yep. And, and then when I get the news like, oh, the Eros Rooney canceled, it's, it's, it's canceled due to weather. And I said, I'm in the weather. So apparently they had freezing rain in Toronto. So they had so the field was was iced. So obviously when you're tackling someone to fall on ice, that's not fun. So they had to again cancel the game. So if they would have moved it to New York instead of being the New York match first up in Iona, it would have been a lot better. So that's a funny thing. Could be fun to tackle on ice. Mm, nah, that's true. So you're telling me they should have played rugby on ice skates. Ice rugby. I think that's called hockey, isn't it? I don't I also wouldn't want the New York guys to play against a bunch of Canadians on skates. I think that'd be a match made in hell. Yeah, it would be impossible to scrum on ice because everyone would be sliding. If you really think about it. It'd be fun. Yeah. (laughs) Coming next year. (laughs) After Super Sevens, we have Ice Rugby. That's right. Hey, we are we already have Murder Bowl. And it's going to be uh, all available on uh, ESPN 8. <laughs> the Ocho. <laughs> El Ocho. I like that. Forget about three. three. Both strategy, Bob. Let's just see how it works out. Four through seven. Forget about it. Let's start to El Ocho. 
I like that. Hey guys, I've got some questions for you. All right, you, Bob. Let's get it out. You ready for it? All, All right. right. So uh, we got a couple of them from uh, Bob B. Bobberson this week. And uh, as always, I just want to remind everybody that uh, we collect questions every week from our Reddit page, and that's reddit.com slash r slash mlrugby. So go there and check it out. And this week, Bob B. Bobberson asks, what are your score predictions for the first week of games? Well, Bob, go ahead and just rewind the tape a little bit, and you'll find out. Any uh, anything to add to that? Um, I mean, we talked no. about it, so nope, all good. Okay. Um, will you be nominating a man of the week on next week's show? That's a good idea. A man of the match. Man, of the I don't week. think we'd really talked Matches. about it. I mean, I think we could probably do. Yeah, player. I guess player of the week. Yeah. Sounds like a great idea, Bob. Thanks. Stealing that. Yep. I'm not sure it can be ca- uh, counted as stealing if he literally asked us if we were going to do it or not. Taking full credit for well, it. We thought about it yesterday. We just forgot. Yeah. We'll call it Bob's Player of the Match. and uh, Sponsored by Bob. Yeah, sponsored by Bob B. Bobberson. So should we do one for the whole week or one for each match? I'd say um, one a week. Just one, one a week. One a week. Uh-huh. Well, probably knowing us, we'll probably end up talking about five or six players, though. So, yeah, I think we'll cover that pretty well. All right. Uh, moving on. Uh, friend of the show, possible intern. Uh, Liam sent in a question uh, via YouTube. And as always, uh, when we're live on the pod, you guys can jump in with your questions and comments and we'll look at those and once in a while respond. So Liam asks, um, considering... Uh, the Tony Healy situation out of Seattle. How does this situation affect the team going into the season? So, so Phil Max from F, um, he's, he's a monster apparently, uh, according to, I mean, I've seen him play uh, for the, for the Canadian national team and he's ridiculous. Uh, he is a rugby coach. He coaches Thunder Rugby, which is an indigenous team on Vancouver Island. Uh, so the difference is, is like coaching a professional, being the head coach of a professional team and somehow also trying to be scrum half at the same time gets difficult, but he can coach the team. And he also played for Tony Healy at James Bay. So overall, I mean, at James Bay and with the bears. So I would say he knows the systems that were in place. The issue comes into if they do get their coaching situation figured out, uh, will that coach want to install a different system? Yeah, I think that's really the biggest question because um, not to diminish the role of a coach, but overall at this point, right before the first match, um, I don't know how much the coach would actually really do. You know, know, on the actual field, it's not like a, a football coach where they're calling plays every single second it's really the players take over a lot from there so i I think that for the at least for the first match or two it shouldn't have as big of an impact as you'd think but i think the real issue would be if a new coach comes in and philosophically different then changing halfway through the season just kind of messes everything up and you really don't want to see that for the first season of a league um even if they just continue doing what they're doing for the first season and completely change things next. Um, 
next guy. Yeah. So, uh, friend of the show, possible co-host, Kra4Yol4, ask, any chance that uh, Sarevi Sarevi will be taking over Seattle? Uh, Will Vaisale Sarevi take over Seattle? Uh, I mean, he's... He coached Fiji Sevens for a little while. Um, I don't know him for his 15s acumen. He is he is an amazing Sevens coach. That's a fact. Uh, the teams he has coached to in Club Sevens Nationals are crazy. Like they are always good. Whether it's because it's it does you need more than just talent to win Club Sevens Nationals. They had he's that kind of coach, um, but could he? It's possible. Um, it just depends. Um, if he gets, I know that he was assisting the team, uh, when they did their combines with Tony Healy, so I think he was probably, I think he's involved. I just don't know to what extent. Yeah, he's also, I mean, he was a 15th player, he's just obviously known for. What he did as a sevens player, um, and he is linked up with with Adivis, so I'm I'm sure that something will come out from that. I mean, I'm not saying I'll be Sarevi. There's a possibility that he could become a backs coach for for Seattle. I wouldn't be surprised if he was the backs coach at the time. There you go. I just know I know he's involved. I know he's around. I don't know what his role is. I should probably ask that question. But honestly, also going back to what we were saying before, um, you don't really want to see a switch in the middle of the first season. So if we can have essentially an interim head coach for the rest of the year, as long as that person is able to actually implement um, the system as is, um, and someone like Sarevi could be great. He could just be the person who they look to. Obviously, they would respect him because he's a very well-known, very well-respected uh, former rugby player and coach. Um, so he'd be a, a great possibility, even as just an interim head coach. Yeah. So, what what was the other question? Yeah. Um, Josh also had a great a great question, and I actually think this could be a lot of fun to talk through. Uh, we were wondering; he was wondering what rivalries will form throughout the season and into the future in MLR. So instantly, we have Nola Austin. And Nola Houston, and I think Houston and Austin is going to be some intense rivalry. Mm-hmm. I think uh, so. Those three down there are all going to be connected. Yeah, that's gonna, I agree. That's gonna be some crazy stuff right there. And then I want to say Legion, Utah. I don't hmm. really know. I'd say I'd say Legion, Seattle. One day. Yeah, so do I. I would say that one too. It's closer to get, it's closer to Salt Lake than it is to Seattle, by the way. I, I know, but you you figured Utah be more. Well, I guess you can have more than one. But I figured Utah be more natural rival for Glendale. Yeah, because I mean, that, would, that would be North Pacific versus South Pacific yeah. in terms of, of in terms of the coast. I think you're going to have that coastal, definitely that coastal rivalry. And, and then, obviously, once Rooney comes in, it will be Rooney-San Diego, because East Coast, West Coast. 
That's not yeah, a rivalry. Well, I think it it could be like a rivalry because of all those old blue players that went to San Diego <laughs> and no, to San Diego. no free agency. So that's yeah. true. Well, hey, I mean, take, just take what you got right now, and I mean, you can name all three. You could have the Pacific rivalry, the Rocky Mountain rivalry, and you could have the the Gulf rivalry. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, and I think as well, the let's league call developed. it the barbecue rivalry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you need Kansas City for that. Yeah, yeah. 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 Next year. That was a blues I like that. That was something I really. Even Jones, uh, the Kansas City thing is going to happen. Yeah, Stephen Jones. But that was actually the f- the first thing I was disappointed about when I heard Kansas City wasn't going to do it this year, and we don't know what they're going to do. Is I wanted to see like a tailgate between Houston and Kansas City and have just a, a barbecue off, just two sides fight at it. Doesn't matter who wins the actual match, the match in the parking lot is what's going to really matter to these guys. Yep. As long as the barbecue is in, in the house, that's all that matters. I like that. All I was going to say on this topic is I think uh, a a lot will help or getting uh, more teams and getting broken out into conferences will help a lot with rivalries Mm -hmm. as well, uh, because it's, it would be natural to have interconference rivalries as opposed to cross country rivalries in my head. You know, um, of course, most of my experience comes from college sports, just because that's what's big here in Iowa. And uh, so we have cross-border rivals is, is our, all of our big stuff. You know, it's, it's always uh, us for Iowa versus uh, Minnesota or Wisconsin for the big big uh, football games every year. So I think it would be played off existing rival- rivalries too. Because, <laughs> I mean, like, I, I know Liam's currently watching this. I, I hate Boston. You know, <laughs> I hate everything in Boston. I hate everything Philly. I can't really help that. So I went to Washington DC. So that was a question. So is yeah. Boston gonna get a team next year? Uh oh man, so cross my fingers I do. I really no. want them to. I don't think so. Um I, I would love to see it because like I said, I hate Boston. <laughs> it would it, I think the the rivalry aspect would help. However, the uh cards don't look like uh Boston is ready for twenty nineteen. Granted. Um, we're about six months away from the 2019 league year. So we could see something shift, but for some reason, James Kennedy in every interview he's on, he talks about DC. So, um, it's a possibility. It's a possibility. I would like to see Chicago. Um, because, because the lions were supposed to be in it. And mm-hmm. so are, much, so are, much Chicago. They're financially viable as an organization. The whole thing, they're a financially viable organization. So I, I don't know. Um, I think Chicago is a necessary market. And then DC and Boston are probably necessary markets. But they said, uh, they said 10. And I'm, we're sort of sure on Dallas right now. And that's the flavor of the week. We're sort of sure on Dallas. They're, they're the loudest. So <laughs> you kind of have to accept that for what we have. Yeah. All right. Last question of the night. And then I think we can go home. We are home. Uh, this is this is a – I'm not home. <laughs> I, I, re- I record my uh, my portions of the show in a uh, 
basement bunker just in case the government comes after me. (laughs) (laughs) Typical Iowa. To your home. Uh, Okay, last question of the night. This is a very serious one. Uh, So I want to know, and I have a very strong opinion on this, who is the best-looking member of the Earful of Dirt crew? Um, I think <laughs> do we have to first. vote for other people, or can we vote oh, for ourselves? I think, I think we can vote for ourselves. <laughs> you know we're all voting for ourselves. <laughs> nah, nah, um, no, let, let's, vote, let's vote for each other, guys. I, 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 I'll start first. Personally, no lie, I think, and probably because it's fellow New Yorker, I, I go with Daniel, personally. I feel really creeped out right now. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't feel creeped out, dude. You're, uh, you're an attractive no, 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 no homo, of course. No homo. Can't forget to say it's that. It's not no deniable. Homo. No homo. All right. Uh, Victor. Hey, Victor. Yes, yes. Go ahead. I'm listening. Short, sweet. Yeah. You got any final thoughts for us, my friend? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> We're still talking about this. Oh, I'm going to move us on from that. Okay. Good, final good. thoughts on something else. I'm the only one who said anything. No one else is saying anything. <laughs> Sorry, nah, nah, we're all guys. So first of all, thank you all for joining us uh, for episode thirty-two. Yes, sorry, because I'm sure my numbers of the third rugby podcast. Uh, thank you for joining us on our YouTube live stream. If you're here listening to this right now, uh, live that is. If you're listening to the podcast purchase, that's whatever. But uh, but if you are, make sure to of course listen to us on iTunes, Google Play. FM, of course, SoundCloud. Make sure to like us, of course, on our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Earful of Dirt. And make sure to call us on our voicemail, which is 1720-600-2679. Make sure to call us on the number and leave us a voicemail, excuse me. And again, the number is 1720-600-2679. We definitely want to check out those voicemails because, again, we got it. We already got a review. Want to hear one of your voices as well? Okay, guys. So with that said, thank you very much for joining us once again. Victor's my name. That was Aaron. That was Dan. That was Josh. That was Corey. And we'll be seeing you next week with what happened in round one of Major League Rugby. Can't wait for that. Connect with Earful of Dirt anytime. We're on Facebook and Twitter as Earful of Dirt. You can email us at earfulofdirt at gmail.com or call and leave us a voicemail at 720-600-2679. Until next time, for Aaron, Dan, and Victor, I'm Corey. Thanks for joining us.